Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi there, Internet. My name is Jack Packard. And I'm Yahtzee, more gray hairs every time you see Hidden Crowjaw. You look fabulous to me. You are distinguished. It's all in the beard. It's all... I'm getting, I'm getting my Reed Richards. Ooh, that's good. Here, I'll, I'll move... Start from the bottom. Move your video over a little bit so people can see more of your gray hairs. How's that? Does that make you feel more or less confident? Fine. My wife, my wife likes them. I will accept that it is fine to have a distinguished salt and pepper look. Mm. I think, I think it works. I, you know what? I'm a fan of gray hair on everyone. That's. I got this weird spot right under my lower lip where it's not gray, but the hair there just doesn't have any pigment. It just oh. looks like platinum blonde. Sure, it's always had that. I don't know why. Hmm. And I, like that's like as as someone who's bald, I have now grown very like accustomed to like yeah, just let it go, let it let the hair go, let the gray go. Just don't you know, don't die, nothing. Let it look your age, live your age, live your truth. <sighs> right? Hey, hi, but, but, hello everyone. It's all downhill from here. But also, this is a video game podcast where we talk about video games. <laughs> Well, yes, but I like to think we address an audience of older gamers such as ourselves. It's true. It's true. We are older gamers. Uh, And I guess, you know, speaking of being an older gamer, let's talk about how uh, my attention span, like I've never had a great attention span, but as I get older, my attention span gets less No, I noticed that when I asked you to play test all my dev diary games, sort of the running gag with those. Hi, I didn't read any of the instructions. Let's see how we do. Move along. Move along. Even games that I enjoy, I feel like, talk way too much. So that's my newest thing is just shut up, game. Let me play your game. Yes. (laughs) And you specifically want to talk about uh, how a game needs to hold your attention Based on an experience you had recently with a certain game, yes, that is correct. I I've, I found this game. Uh, it's an, a couple years old game. It's called Delta V colon Rings of Saturn. I assumed it was an older game. I looked it up after you mentioned it. Hmm. I assumed it was older because nothing would call itself Delta in this day and age. <laughs> oh, you know what? I didn't even think about that. Because I typed in Delta V and immediately filled in variant. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, and I got interested into it because it is a uh, a space flight sim-ish. It's like top-down space flight sim. And I love like, like space flight. Like Star Control. You ever played Star Control? I've never played Star Control, no. It's a top-down space flight exploration sim. You might like it. I I do. I love that. I love the idea of, like, just a little puff of air and you'll never stop spinning in space. I think that's that's a really neat way to pilot spaceships. I love that kind of stuff. Uh, And and that's what... Asteroids, I take it. (laughs) I'm a fan of the remake of Battlestar Galactica as their space combat was awesome. Super awesome. Uh, in any case, 
Uh, so I'm playing this game, and it's all about mining the asteroids around uh, the rings of Saturn. And the flying around is so wonderful. And then you, you like, blast apart uh, these asteroids and, you know, gobble up all the good stuff. And then you go back to the base and sell all the good stuff. And then you go and upgrade your ship and go back out. And is flying around is the most fun. But then that's it. There's no other part to the game. You mm. you go out and mine asteroids, and then you sell the stuff that you mined, and then you go back out and you mine asteroids, and that's it. Could be a bleak metaphor for life. Fair, but uh, it made me stop playing the game. <laughs> they, Fair they, enough. They did it. Bleak metaphors for life everywhere they look. <clears throat> right, we have life for that. Now, uh, they, they tried a couple things like there is ship upgrades, but, you know, none of them were super great. And they they included a stock market kind of thing where you could buy resources to hold on to to then sell them later for when the price fluctuates. But it it wasn't uh, enough. On. Hold on a second. I'm holding. Someone says, I think we might have lost the stream. Someone said the stream might be lost. I. Uh. I I got all greens on on OBS here. Oh no, it's still there. Yeah, I I and I actually I see it. The stream is up for me, so no, I. Huh. I assumed it went down because my chat pop up window just closed by itself. Oh, interesting. Uh, maybe maybe it blipped for a second, or maybe Elandor. Uh, maybe you need to refresh your page. I do apologize, but maybe, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll do it. Well, anyway, yes. So what you're saying is that the game lacked a decent. Let's say tertiary loop. Uh, even, even a decent secondary loop. Like the moment to moment, the the primary loop was phenomenal. But even... Right, I got that impression. It was very cathartic, would you say? Shooting the asteroids, getting nah. all the money in. You know what? I don't know if cathartic's the right word, but um, in I was very invested. Because, because space flight was so persnickety, you really had to pay attention to the, the second to second. But even the minute to minute, even, you know, kind of the levels st- like started to lose me. So everything beyond the primary for Delta V for me completely fell off a cliff. Well, I have a three leg uh, game design theory. OK, that ex- that uh, covers all the things you need to uh, build appeal in the game. Mm-hmm. It's the three C's. I've written this theory down somewhere. I forget where. Three C's, which are context, challenge, and catharsis. Okay. And I'd say on your primary loop, the most important one of those is catharsis. It has to feel good. Mm. Sure, sure. But when we talk about secondary and tertiary loops, what you definitely need there is a bit of context. Okay. It sounds like there was a lack of um, uh, long-term goals. Yes. Was there a plot? Not, for example, uh, not that I was aware of, and I have maybe five hours into the game. So if there was a plot, it, yeah, I, I didn't run into it yet. <laughs> you'd hope, you'd hope to have your inciting incident within the first five bloody hours, right? Like I came across a few things where, like, you would run into other scrappers or or miners, and they would tell you mm-hmm. about a cool trading post, and you'd go there, and it would be the same shit as the regular trading post. So. Oh, so you're supposed to find your own fun. It's a sort of like elite. No, but there's no like, there was no like deep dialogue system. There was no, there there was nothing, there was no story. There was no context whatsoever. Hmm. 
Well, that's well. I guess that's a good start for what we need to hold our attention. <laughs> we need context. Yes. I mean, even like the simplest games have context. I would argue even Space Invaders has context. The context is right there. Space Invaders. <laughs> there are invasions coming from space. Yes. If you kill them all, presumably we will no, no longer being invaded by space. Absolutely. There it is. People people like to overthink games a lot, especially in indie games. Mm-hmm. They get these like complex ideas for systems like what you're talking about. But at the end of the day, why are we building money in our asteroid field? Exactly. That's what, that's what context is. It is why. <laughs> are we looking to get deeper into the rings of Saturn? Is there something on the planet Saturn that perhaps we are, uh, that perhaps is a goal for us to work towards? Something. Something. Absolutely. And it, like, oh, go ahead. No, no, up to you. Oh, and I, it, usually uh, the the reason this w- this is so like kind of burning in my brain is I, as we just talked about, as my patience runs thin with games, I usually for me like the least amount of story the better. And of course, here I am complaining at the absolute absence of story making me lose it, which is why I wanted to bring this up specifically to kind of revise my blanket statement. <laughs> well, you know, people always pull that shit on me, like saying, oh, you said you like story in this game, yeah. but you said you didn't like story in this game. Inconsistent much? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. to all of that, I say... One is perfectly entitled to request a happy medium. Mm. Yeah, there is. You can have you can have too much story, and you can have too little story. Mm-hmm. What we're after is the midpoint. It's like if you got in a shower and you turned on the water and it was freezing cold, and you went, "Oh Jesus, it's cold!" and then you turned it all the other way, and then it got too hot and went, "Oh Jesus, I'm really hot." Your shower is not entitled to go. Well, make your bloody mind up. <laughs> absolutely absolutely and and so it was just it it was one of those things i was thinking about and and i'm really glad you brought up space invaders too because i feel like even in very very simple games your space invaders your original mario brothers like the even the the addition of enemies come but faster or Mm. you're doing the same thing but now you're on an ice world is something that holds your attention adds to that secondary loop well yes i mean uh, most games have at least two loops like popping bubble wrap has two loops the first loop is the catharsis of popping the bubbles the second loop is finishing all the bubbles on the sheet you could only have a like a one loop game if it was like just an infinite supply of bubble wrap. If Space Invaders was just an alien comes, you shoot it, another alien comes, you shoot it for infinity, mm-hmm. that would be a single loop game. Oh. The fact that there's a bunch of them and you have to kill them all creates the second loop. Ooh. Okay. Well, and there you, so there you go. And just and a quick breakdown of loops again. And the, the tertiary of a Space Invaders would be like the high score. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like the, you know, the, the the brick wall room thing. The primary loop is the brick, the uh, secondary loop is the wall, and the tertiary loop is the room. Ooh. It's a bun- the the wall is a bunch of bricks and the room is a bunch of walls. I I like that. That's a that is a very good analogy. Still, what you're describing there about that Delta V game, it sounds like that's the sort of game where you're supposed to make up your own context. 
I, you're supposed to go. I have, I am going to role play as a space pirate. <laughs> I think I'm going to be a dangerous space pirate, and no one will ever mess with me because my ship's just the best ship in space. I. Uh, that's I what you're. Guess. That's what you're supposed to bring to games like Elite. Sure. It's, a pure, it's a pure sandbox. You can go wherever you want and do whatever you like. So at some, so you do have to have context, and that context can only come from you. Minecraft as well. Hmm. I mean, sure, there's a there's technically a story in that like nobody really cares about. Mm-hmm. You have to find your own fun. You have to decide. I'm going to build a, a giant Mount Rushmore, but with all the presidents replaced with Jenny Agatha. Hmm. You got to have a goal. And you, only you can supply that goal. So maybe, maybe you, you, you should have brought. Maybe you should have met the game halfway. Maybe you should have thought of something. You're. I mean, I always. You know, I was raised Catholic, so I believe everything is my fault. Absolutely. Uh, I guess my the with those other examples with your Elite Dangerous or your Minecraft. Uh, there's more of a sandbox, and specifically with Delta V. Uh, there really isn't a sandbox. There's an asteroid field, and <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's it. I, Maybe you are supposed to think of it as just popping bubble, popping bubble wrap. Then I suppose what I what I feel like would be incredibly helpful, and I don't know if resources like this exist, but I I would bet that there are several games like this, like Delta V, where it has one like amazing loop or one really neat mechanic and the rest of it kind of falls apart and what we need is a scrapper a game development company that's a scrapper and it takes a little bit of this game and it takes this game and then it takes that guy who writes really good fan fiction and mushes them all together so we could have like one super competent game well that's highly theoretical that yes this is what i'm saying this is what we need and you're making me think of time loop games again because that's a big, suddenly a big thing in indie games. But I was writing my review of Deathloop this week, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, time loop games. I guess we could just say that's a new genre, but it, there's yet to be a, a definer. There's yet to be a genre defining game that's a time loop game. Mm. The way Doom was to Doom clones, or Dark Souls was to Souls likes. Sure, sure. What and what and what we need to do is we need we need to find we need to wait until an indie game makes the absolute most of time loops now we need to take that and scrap it together with some incredibly good plot <laughs> i guess that the that's the issue right now with time loop games is that time loop games are still borrowing so much of other games that they have yet to make a statement by themselves yeah i think you need to like strip it all down mm-hmm. and uh, rebuild it from the ground up right right so do the you know what's the name the lady who fixes hoarding does this spread joy? Marie Not- Kondo? Marie Kondo. Yes. Marie Kondo if it doesn't spread joy, kick it out. <laughs> Deathloop's problem is that it's just like, you know, play it your way, stealth or action, mm-hmm. uh, standard combat. And I find, I think the combat loop's a bit uh, shallow, uh, which is a kind of the killing blow for a game that's supposed to be about mastering the combat. Hmm, interesting. That's, that's half that's half the motivation. You're going through loop after loop, finding better weapons and better power ups so you can master the combat, which isn't actually that hard. Mm-hmm. But now I'm spoiling my upcoming review. <gasps> don't don't spoil it. Uh, yeah, uh sure. <laughs> 
I feel, you know, like, yeah, let's we let's try not to delve too hard into time loops then. Uh, and let's let's talk about what, you know, be, I, and I know this is something you've harped on a lot, which is like, have it all come back to that primary loop. And so mm. what as you are also developing a game, what are you concerned about with that secondary loop? What are you looking for to keep your attention? Well, as I say, it all comes back to the primary loop. So at the end of the day, advancing in the secondary loop has to in some way improve the primary loop, Mm -hmm. whether that be uh, combat gets a bit easier because you've built up your experience points and leveled up in strength so you can hit the enemies harder and get a little bit more catharsis okay as for mining asteroids i guess you want to make it you want to take a sort of leaf out of cookie clickers booked and sort of get exponentially more powerful as you go so first you're just mining little chippy bits of asteroids and then you upgrade and upgrade and upgrade and then you can like mine entire armfuls of asteroids in one go Ooh, yeah yeah just scoop so in, scoop up giant swaths of asteroids and break them down for their components yeah yes and so you need like so uh you would need after that a need for all those components and the you, you go in like subnautica style so you're always having to develop a new piece of technology Ooh, yeah, yeah. Basically, rare ingredients. So you have to keep expanding <laughs> your capacity to construct and build. But, but again, that just takes us back to context, which is yes. why are why are we doing this? What's your motivation for doing this? And does your game have the systems in place to have a player make their own fun for it? If I want to play as a pirate, am I able to? That sort of thing. Hmm. Well, in my game, I'm using, like, uh, developing the plot as the central motivator. Okay. There's a lot of story content you need to go through the grind to unlock. Well, right, because your your game in Starstruck Vagabond, you have a a mystery to solve. Yes, the mystery of the giant egg. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of um, uh, the secondary goal of like building a a crew that's like your ragtag bunch of misfits who will your new bunch of friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, going through each of their like individual story arcs, all of which is some way connected to the big egg. So it all all comes down to exploring the concept of the big egg. To be honest, I haven't quite figured out what hell will end, but um, that's that's the excitement of long-form storytelling, I find. I've never started a novel knowing exactly how it's going to end, either. You get to be surprised along with the rest of us. That's fantastic. Well, there you go. I would say, if you want, like, motivation to mining asteroids, a good fallback option a lot of games go for is base building. You could build your own base. Ooh. That would be phenomenal, like to have to have the abilities, you know, again, speaking specifically of Delta V, where it's like if you could make a little floating base within the asteroid field uh, to make it easier to collect all of the stuff, then you could oh, you could even have stuff to sell to other people who are mining the asteroid field. That would be that'd be super neat. That sort of thing would be very suitable for a game about finding your own goal Mm. because uh that you're trying to appeal to the creatively minded player and the creative minded player will uh, want to construct their own space Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. inside inside the game i find 
Yes. Yeah. I think like that, that's a phenomenal route to take. Having some sort of story element for Delta V would have been another phenomenal route to take. I, I like literally, I think anything at this point would have been a phenomenal thing, which is, which is the big shame because I was having so much fun in the primary loop. But what was it specifically that made it fun? Would you say, was it just the, the, the cathartic feel, the juiciness of the interface, the sound design? What, what, what? Sound design was very good. It, it was, it was feeling, it made me feel like a pilot. Like the the very fine control that was needed in order to maneuver around asteroids to precision strike one then and then what you have to do is like you know open up your little scooper and then just gently press the thruster to, so you could scoop up the little bits of good stuff after you destroy an asteroid yeah it 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 made me feel i guess I guess cathartic, but it made me feel precise <laughs> it made me feel well, like I was good. flying a spaceship. That's part of that's part of catharsis, you mm-hmm. know, being precise. Yeah, I mean, um, if you like uh, have just like a punch button, and <laughs> however you press the punch button, it will just like damage the enemy, mm-hmm. and that's one thing. But if it's if it's slightly difficult to punch the enemy, mm-hmm. like the like the hitbox on your fist is quite small, mm-hmm. then it can be more satisfying because you have to be precise with it. Sure. It's like it's like getting in like, you know, getting a a swish in basketball. <laughs> Precision is satisfying. Precision is is like yeah. that's what makes the the repost so wonderful in your dark souls yes. is being neatness. <laughs> neatness, doing a great big poo without any of it touching the sides. Ooh. That's what we like. <laughs> there's, some, there's there's an inherent T- catharsis. Touching to the that. sides of what? <laughs> Of your bumhole. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you have a very big bumhole. I just, I just don't think that's possible. But hey, that's fine. <laughs> it would be pretty satisfying if you, if you could. You wouldn't have to wipe. Ooh, <laughs> I swished it. That's what we're gonna call it. Nothing but net. <laughs> That's one part of catharsis. Sound is another part. <coughs> yeah, like the sound of hitting someone in the face in uh, the beat 'em up. Ooh, yeah. It should really should be really crunchy and smashy, yes. like you just like you just punched a big bag of crisps. Well, that's you know that's a, a, a lovely thing about Delta V is you know you're you're in space and so like there is this kind of ambient nothingness and then just like mm. the gentle like. Yeah, you know of your of your spaceship, of absolutely. And so you know you can you can have mu- your own music on in the background as you would if you were you know out in space. And then it's just like uh, every once in a while, like if another ship comes, it like a little emergency lights come on, and yeah, it feels the primary loop makes it feel like you are out in the middle of nothing, and it's really fun. Sound design is probably. 60% of this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like if you, if you have a character who moves really slowly, it's annoying. But if you add like the sound of grinding stone to their movement, it sounds uh, it sounds somehow more satisfying. Right? Like it just adding like, that yeah. weight to it. Cuz you feel cuz it makes you feel so much heavier. You're like, "Oh, okay, it makes sense." <laughs> I'm slow moving cuz I'm very heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's all super important stuff and it's it's all stuff unfortunately that falls by the wayside if it doesn't hold our attention right well well there you go if there's no like i suppose if you just if you don't have a secondary loop 
or Tergy Loop. You could just say it's a Zen game, like popping <laughs> crap. Just something you could do with your hands while you're listening but, to a podcast or something. But even a Zen game, even even a, a cookie clicker or whatnot, has a high score. It has a a something that you are working towards. You know, I guess with cookie clicker, you're just trying to get to the next level the whole time. I the guess, next, yeah. The next layer of complexity. Right. Well, and, and like I I believe that, you know, your bejeweled or your cookie clicker like that also takes advantage of of brain tricks that, you know, gambling tricks to kind of trick people into that false sense of, of accomplishment and achievement. Hmm. And so maybe. What, OK, what if Delta hmm. V had had a great big like bar progress bar? And every time you like mined an asteroid, it made the progress bar fill up a bit. And then we got to the very top. <laughs> you heard the sound of someone playing a little trumpet, going doo doo doo, and some confetti showered from above. <laughs> and then the and then the and then the bar reset, Ooh. and a number goes up. You are now level two. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder. I legitimately wonder if that would do it for me. <laughs> Basically describing World of Warcraft there. Right. Right? No, no, because that's, that's, that's all that does. That's like the empty feeling, and um, I'm going to mention No Man's Sky. I have not played it since it's been turned into a good game. But that's like yeah, that neither, empty No Man's Sky feeling where you're like, you just keep moving forward, but nothing really changes, and you just feel empty. Well, that was the problem with No Man's Sky on release, wasn't it? Right. And guess what they guess what they've added since then? Base building. Whoa! So there you go. So there you go. Right. <laughs> well, yes, you need your players need something to do and something to motivate them. Well, yeah, yeah. that's base. That's standard design, really. Well, and that's that's where that's where I was coming from with it. We we need you know. Uh, we need scrapper collectives. We need we need a, a a place to collect all of these good ideas. Um, I'm thinking of what was what was another game that had a really good primary loop. Oh, oh um, hard hard space shipbreaker. I think I know the one you mean. Yes, is that the one where you basically have to take apart ships in a shipyard? Yes, and uh, you have to cut cut all the bits off in the right order and stuff yes it's another game about a really amazing space flight uh and you, yes you have to precision cut apart spaceships in a spaceport and uh and scrap them for parts that game was sold to me as being like viscera cleanup detail yes it's it's space it's space viscera cleanup detail and you know what great primary loop <laughs> really fun you know and you, and you know what like makes uh, this is a cleanup detail. Mm. Is that after you've put your back out, cleaning everything out of a room, mm-hmm. you like turn your back on all the rest of the work you have to do, and just look at all the bits you've cleaned and go, ah, <sighs> that's that's the secondary loop. Exactly. <laughs> ah, it's so clean. Oh, I did it. Look at that. And then you can just walk around and go, wow, look at the great job I did cleaning up. Love this. Yes. But but I guess like that's. Uh, very similarly with Hard Space Shipbreaker, a terrible name, spe- speaking of Delta <laughs> V. It's because it's hard to remember. They're both hard to remember names. Um, mm. 
where it's like, oh, I'm very invested in this primary loop, very similar primary loop that I'm invested in, but then... All right, all right, all right. So in Delta V, uh-huh. there's a, you go into a sector, there's a certain number of asteroids, you clean up all the asteroids, and then someone builds a McDonald's in the space you left behind. Ooh. And everyone's really happy because now there's a McDonald's near where they live. And they go, oh, yes, we've always wanted one of those. That's exactly what we need. And, you know, like... So you look back on all the happy people going to McDonald's and you go, ah. Yeah. And then you can get like a, you can get a little, uh, you know, you get a commission from that McDonald's. So you get more money for your spaceship. So you can then clean out a bigger area of Saturn. And the goal at the end of the game is to clean up the entire rings around Saturn because no one likes them anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's, what, who does Saturn think he is? Mm-hmm. Thinks he can have these big rings when everyone else has to make do without any. Exactly. The- get off. Get off your high horse, Saturn. You don't. You haven't earned those rings. The president of space has decreed that Saturn's a big show-off, and we're going to take it down a peg. <laughs> That's the context. <laughs> Shoshank seven one seven. He asks, "What is this podcast even about?" That's a question we ask ourselves every week. Shoshank seven one seven. It's true. It's true. I guess. I guess we're just fueling conversation between two thoroughly charismatic guys. Ooh, baby. And every once in a while, we talk about poopy buttholes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Don't get that from Mark Moran. Or whoever. Marin? Mark yes. Marin. Yeah, the dude, the dude who does podcasts. He does. He does. <laughs> also, you know, famed stand-up comedian. <laughs> But hey, oh. you know, I didn't. See, I didn't know that. I just knew he was a podcast guy. Oh, okay. Because first I heard of him was when I was filling in a clue for the New York Times crossword. Oh, okay. And the, and the clue was guy who does podcasts, and the answer was Mark Maron. I suppose in you're right. In modern day, he's mostly known as the uh, WTF podcast guy because that's what he does mostly. Uh, back back in the day, was a was a well respected. I suppose still is a well respected stand up comedian. <laughs> That's why he gets so many people on his podcast. Well, good for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Are podcasts the new stand-up comedy in the age of COVID? Oh, oh God. <laughs> the- no, one, no one can go out anymore. You might as well just do a podcast of jokes. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, COVID spurred a lot of people into finally starting up their podcasts. And it's like, we didn't need them. We didn't need them all. <laughs> Well, it used to be that everyone's got at least one good book inside them. Um, now there's a podcast in there, so the book has to make room. You, know, you don't need to write a book anymore. You can just talk about nonsense for an hour every week. <laughs> and on that note, was, the, was there a final point we were trying to get to here? I think I think there's there's two there's two buttons that I want to end on here. One is. You, that you do need to think outside of the primary loop, even though obviously, yes, in general, the primary is is your focus, right? Um, yes, but there's, as we've established, there's so many wonderful ways you can go with the secondary loop, depending on what sort of audience you're asking for. Mm-hmm. Video on Dev Diary I was trying to break down all the uh, the long term loops that Stardew Valley, for example, offers, because that's got a creative element, that's got a hundred percent completionist element. Yeah. Like the games we've described, mm-hmm. and it's basically on the player to pick, pick, pick and mix 
what particular catharsis they want out of that game. Yes. Yes. And so make sure, like, when you're thinking about your game, when thinking about games you enjoy, what is that second thing, that second and that third thing? What is the thing that keeps you coming back to play it? And if you don't have that as a game designer, don't put it out yet. Come up with that thing. <laughs> so many layers. This so many layers, and there's oh, go ahead. Of course, obviously, the primary loop is important. Mm-hmm. But when you uh, uh, when you have finished the game and you look back on it, mm-hmm. your primary loop generally isn't what you think about. Well, you, you usually think about you know key moments. Mm-hmm. Like something happened, you went, "Oh, that was fucking awesome! I love this game now." <laughs> you know what? I guess that's that's right. You never you never think to yourself, "Man, I loved that gardening." You think, "I love my garden now that it's done." Well, yeah. Well, you probably did love the gardening at the time, right? When you look back on it, it's the garden that uh, you really remember. Exactly. That's a, that's a good way to put it. It's like there was a Nando's near where I used to live in Brisbane, mm-hmm. and the sign outside, because it was intended to be a busy Nando's, so there was a sign outside that said simply, um, the time you wait uh, will be forgotten, but the tastiness of your sandwich you will remember. Ah, beautifully put. Um, so yeah, that's that's one button that I want to end on. The second button is 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 we need is the the inherent limitations of indie game development as i'm a big fan of indie game development and obviously we've had a few uh, immense games and immensely great games uh, that were made by a very small team of people if not one singular person but the inherent problem with an indie game is that you don't have a big team to fill in those gaps that you need filled in well, the advantage is you can make a quick idea and throw it out and see if it works. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to do in like the twelve months, the twelve games in twelve months project. I wanted to like just quickly throw some ideas out and see which ones really resonated with people. Yeah, I think what you're describing about a, like a scrapper community where we can take what works out of something and compare it with other things that could just be itch.io that you're describing there. <laughs> Well, we- everyone's making little scrappy concept games and we're, you know, seeing what shit sticks to the wall. Well, but we need what we we need a neck. We need the secondary loop of itch.io, which is when we get those people to start working together on a game and say, hey, take your space flight, which is awesome and asteroid mining and mix it with what this guy's got going on and make one big game together. Well, the primary loop gameplay designer does one thing, but for the secondary loop, you probably need something more like a story writer. Mm. So we should come up with something that groups concept game designers and fiction writers together. Yes. Do a big sort of, you know, exchange program. Ooh. All the fan fiction writers can come to itch.io yes. and mess around for a bit. And all the concept game makers can go to fan fiction and write about Supernatural or whatever they like itch.commune.io a place for collaboration when you need it the most putting that out, I'm putting that out there I don't know how to build this I'm just an idea person <laughs> yeah we will take your idea and then you can piss off yep great do it bye <laughs> you've done your part and it wasn't that particularly important anyway. that's right I did my part which was absolutely nothing 
Uh, yeah, they'll just freeze frame on the thumbs up while I get the super chats out. Uh, monetization supers. Okay, here they are. Starting with Gene Venter, who gives 20 Canadian dollars to ask, Yahtzee, do you prefer Papers, Please or Obra Din? Personally, I prefer Papers, Please because it is replayable and doesn't give me a headache. You can stop that now, Jack. Great, thank you. Um, you know, while thinking about it, I think I prefer Obra Din. Mm. I said in my review at the time that this genuinely feels like a game specifically made for me. Because I like, I like uh, Lovecraftian horror. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like nautical fiction, and I like doing crosswords. <laughs> all of those elements are in Return of the Obra Dinn. Mm. Yeah, Papers Please is replayable, but it's, it's also a bit depressing. Mm. That's true. I, I and I like. Uh, they both have their merits. They both have such fantastic merits to them. I, I can't imagine picking one of them. Uh, he does good work, that Lucas Pope. Absolutely. They're, they're, and, well, and more importantly, it's an apples and oranges situation where they're, they are such different properties, both in the fiction and in the gameplay. Where how, you, how can you compare them? You're right. In fact, Papers, Please is more of a primary loop game where you're focusing on the sort of almost arcade gameplay <laughs> of looking for... Uh, discrepancies in the text. Spot the Oberdin right. is, is much more, you know, secondary and tertiary loop based. Ooh, ooh! Look at that. We brought it into the the topic for this episode. Absolutely. Damn. It's all about the long term goals, the filling in the blanks, and eliminating the possibilities. Absolutely. Like a good detective game should be about. What a beautiful game! What a beautiful game that I hate so much. Yeah, not visually. Beautiful. um, It's beautiful. It's beautiful in its presentation. Even like it's even in how ugly it looks. It's very purposeful, and I love it. I love how ugly and beautiful it It, is. Yeah, it's it's purposeful. Half the chat are complaining. It gives it gives them a headache. Get over it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful in its horridness. I'm just replaying it with a different color filter on. Ooh, yeah. Because that game's got a bunch of those. Mm -hmm. You can make it look like a Acorn Electron or whatever your nostalgia computer of choice is. Yeah, do it. Arcane Knight gives $10 to ask, I know some games hold our attention even after we're done with them. Psychonauts 2 has still been on my mind for a while now. What are some games that still live in your head rent-free, so to speak? Still live in my head rent-free. Oh... Oh, no. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. Well, as I was saying, it's the games with, like, really memorable moments that sort of stand out for me. Mm-hmm. Like the funny bits in Psychonauts or the ending of Infamous 2. There's a whole bunch of Infamous 2 I've forgotten, but I remember the endings very clearly in those games. Sure. Yeah. Like, like you said, you know, you, once once you get... Once you Once the primary becomes more muscle memory, then it's about mm. that... that emergent gameplay or emergent story or whatever you want to call it that thing that happens in the game that makes you say oh this was what a wonderful moment the thing that stirs you from the trance that the routine put you into yes you're like oh blimey (laughs) (laughs) shut up podcast i need to pay attention to this (laughs) exactly 
Exactly. I mean, yeah, and there's there's a lot of them. Like you know, just general. Uh, oh, you know, you know what I what I always really fondly remember is, and I'm gonna have a hard problem remembering the name. I want to say it's like Dark Arisen. Oh crap. Oh, um, uh, uh, Dragon's Dogma. Thank you, Dragon's Dogma. Dark Arisen is is just wandering around in the woods and coming across a chimera or another giant beast that I didn't know was in the game. And all of a sudden mm. you're in a boss fight for no reason and you can crawl all over it and have the best time. And you go, oh, there's a monster. Let's go fuck it up. I loved that. I loved those, those uh, situations. So. Alex James gives 20 US dollars, thank you very much, mm. to say, love you lots, Yats, all hail Yatsy. Would you ever consider making Jam a movie? Well, I have had some movie interests towards my books. Mm. Jam wasn't one of them. Mm. I, don't, I won't say any more because people will only get overexcited and you know how it is. There's a lot of people just saying they're going to make things and very little of them actually get made in Hollywood. Mm. I always thought Jam might make a good open-world sandbox game if uh, I had <laughs> unlimited money and resources. Uh, yes, uh, making, you know, like scrapping for plastic bits so you could walk across the street would be quite yeah. fun. <laughs> I picture it more as a sort of parkouring across the rooftops kind of game. Ooh, sure, sure. I like that. The floor is lava, but the whole game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I also think like that could be, like Jam could make a... A decent, like low budget apocalypse movie because obviously so much of it you can't be outside. So, so then it's very easy to have excuses to shoot inside. Well, you say that, but you know, probably be pretty high budget having to be knee deep in jam for every set. <laughs> <coughs> Touche. Meister Kleister Heist Air gives five euros. To say, the older I get, the fewer games can hold my interest. Social media likely contributes to worsening my attention span, too. Mm. Ooh, tell me about it. I doom scroll too much these days. Right? Who who needs the uh, the slot machine that is video games when we have the slot machine that is social media? The, the slot machine that is trying to stay alive in the current situation in society. Right, and uh, that's that's all Twitter and Reddit and Facebook is, is just a big slot machine. Maybe I'll find something that will take my thoughts away from the doom that is my life. Oh, a cat! Ha <laughs> ha! Next. You know what, I've come to terms with it. I was thinking, maybe I'll die in a hideous fire or plague or mm. some nut bar will shoot me, mm-hmm. but at least then I will get to have a rest. Ah, there you go. At least I will get to lie on the floor and no one will expect me to take the bins out. Mm. Hmm. <sighs> Great. Uh, Shogun is Dead gives 10 US dollars to say, what is a good example of juxtaposition in a video game that grips your attention? Also, just started listening to We'll Save the Galaxy for Food and I'm loving it. Thank you very much. Shogun is Dead. A good example of juxtaposition would be well psychonauts for example juxtaposition often be a useful comedy tool and the big joke in psychonauts of course was um where it's about these really kind of fucked topics of going into people's heads and mentally lobotomizing them Mm -hmm. but from the perspective of tiny adorable kids in summer camp that's a that's a juxtaposition that drives a lot of the central gag of the first Psychonauts game. Hmm. 
All right, I'm down with that. Uh, yeah, I thought you'd thought you'd put on your like recurring video of you nodding and looking interested for a second there. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of psychonauts, but I I can buy that. Uh, I will. I will say juxtaposition is really hard in video games because if it's if it's done too much or too harshly, then it takes you out of your loop. Oh, you know what? Also a good juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in a Silent Hill a lot, but it also appears a lot in Japanese horror. The juxtaposition of the horror against mundane life. Ooh, okay. Like uh, what's where- the an example here? Well, you just go in Silent Hill and you're just like in a normal apartment and there's a fridge. And uh, it's just that everything's dark and quiet and there's a monster in the corner of the room. Hmm. Like monsters suddenly being thrown into an otherwise mundane setting is what catches us off guard in good in a good Japanese-style horror. Okay. Yeah, I can I be with you. That's an effective juxtaposition. Um, why don't I throw... The, it's really hard for me to come up with an example of good juxtaposition off the top of my head, but I'm going to throw out there uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. The survive, okay. survivalist uh, with quasi-futuristic uh, technology. Robot dinosaurs in general. That's a juxtaposition. There you go. Boom. Yeah, that is an inherent juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Robots and dinosaurs. Yeah. It's past, past and future. Knocked each other up and had a horrible baby. Exactly. Nature survivalist using future technology. That's juxtaposition, baby. Joshua David gives 14 czars. I'm sure I looked that up, but I can't be bothered. I can't remember what it was. Random question. Will I review the new WarioWare? I have been playing it. I played most of it. I made close to the I played most of the story campaign yesterday. Mm. I do like those WarioWare games. They're very fun. They're a lot of fun. It's not just like the way they're designed. They're very Oh, what's the word? Whimsical. Ooh, very whimsical yeah. in its visuals and animation. Mm-hmm. You just do like a little mini game and then suddenly like a crayon drawing of a man picking his nose appears, waving his hands, looking really happy. <laughs> it's like, I'm not sure what tone we're going for here, but I'm with you. All of the tones is what they're going for. And yeah. they nail every one of them. Because I'm a big fan of stream of consciousness sort of feel. Mm-hmm. That's why I like Suda 5.1's games. Oh, sure. Uh, oh, and Arco. Oh, hold on for oh, a second. Oh, no. Uh, Ethan Yell is just asking if we're watching Twitch chat today. I didn't know we were on Twitch. Well, wait. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm very sorry. I thought this was only on YouTube, but if we are on Twitch, then let me hop on there and make Someone sure I got have, Twitch uh, chat open because, no, I did not. Uh, yeah, I seem to be only ever on YouTube by itself on finding something else. Maybe someone didn't. Um, Fix the restream page. Maybe someone didn't set up the stream properly, Nick. 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 Nick, did you not set up the stream properly, Nick? We expect a certain amount of professionalism around here, Nick. Nick. Uh, but I'm on Twitch now. <laughs> um, what am I? What am I looking for, Isanel? If you can just tell I'm, me, uh, just, just acknowledge subscriptions or something. Oh, okay. Well, hi Twitch. We're here. Uh, where were we? Arco gives 200 rupees, Indian rupees, mm-hmm. to say, I feel a game that can combine story, primary gameplay, dialogue, and art style, not graphical fidelity, mind you, has a good chance of grabbing and holding on to our attention. Case in point, Hades. Yeah, well, that's what you want. Ideally. And Hades did not hold my attention. 
Oh, what was the problem with that one? I didn't care. I didn't care about anything. I didn't care about leaving hell. I didn't care. Like the the power ups weren't big enough to make me feel like I was getting stronger. The the story did not catch me. The characters I didn't care about. Yeah. So Hades did not. It wasn't hell. It was Hades. Tartarus or whatever. No, I I could not be bothered to care about why anything was happening. And the power ups weren't neat enough to get me engaged on a gameplay level. Well, you're not a fan of listening to dialogue, are you? Mm, You know, not usually. That guy, you know, gave us five US dollars to say, I usually play games while listening to something because I'm used to double tasking, but Disco Elysium had my full attention with its dialogue. Mm. Yeah, I don't listen to stuff when I'm playing something with, like, a story and dialogue I need to be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. I can't, like, split my attention that way. I only put something on if I'm doing repetitive gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I can only... Uh, li- listen to the game no matter what no matter what I cannot multitask even if it's a very repetitive game I absolutely don't have the brain power to multitask mm. and I'm okay with that Hamdude123 gives five years dollars to say writing question how does one write characters with flaws you don't have uh, well you do this wonderful thing called imagining <laughs> you imagine <laughs> What it would be like to have those... Th- I mean, Jesus. Hmm. I'm reminded of the st- of a story told about Laurence Olivier when he was working with Dustin Hoffman on Marathon Man. Mm-hmm. And Dustin Hoffman was a method actor, so he was doing a scene where he'd been like... where he was, like, disoriented and, like, tired, so he, like, deliberately stayed awake for, like, 48 hours okay. to be able to do, a, like, a realistic performance. Mm-hmm. And when he mentioned that to Laurence Olivier, he said, my dear boy, have you tried acting? Mm-hmm. It's just that easy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like so. Yeah, that's you. Ima- you imagine it. I don't know how I can explain that. You imagine it, and that. Well, I'm. I'm going to say you got. You have to go one step further. You have to imagine it, and then you have to ask questions about that character and imagine their answers to it so you can get a fully fleshed out character not a one-dimensional character uh is imagine it and then keep thinking about it for a while that's step two <laughs> honey money in the chat is suggesting we that we stop the super chats now because uh, we've got a lot of them coming in thick and fast so i will say tr- stop the super chats now please we have all of your money and we're very grateful and we're going to spend it on pies Ooh, yeah i could go well yeah i'll go i'll get a pie all right i'm down okay well scavenger just put one more in but okay no more that's it. no okay. more after scavenger okay no more uh right ashley gates gives five british pounds to ask personally the first game i played that couldn't hold my attention was assassin's creed odyssey something about that huge map with areas locked off due to level yeah yeah well, yeah that's, a, that's the paradox of the latter ubisoft sandboxes isn't it because they always still call themselves sandboxes but there's still a linear progression in how you unlock the map so it's still linear in that sense yeah it's more like an R, more of an rpg really and if if the gameplay is repetitive, then the gameplay isn't holding you at all. And if the rewards aren't big enough, then that's not holding you. And if you can't go where you want, that's not holding you. And that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. you gotta hold the players somehow. Hold. I would say, as always, start with the primary loop. Make sure you've got them there. Mm-hmm. 
as we've established on the course of this podcast, you need like another loop to hold that loop in place. So imagine you've got a little hand, you've got your hand and you've grabbed the player mm-hmm. with your, between your fingers, yeah. but that hand gets tired. So you need oh. to get another bigger hand to clutch this first hand. Sure. And make sure it stays closed. I like it. And then your arms are the tertiary. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Shogun is Dead gives five US dollars to say, would you consider putting a Jacques McKeown Easter egg in Starstruck Vagabond? Just a thought. Wow, you horribly misspelled Jacques McKeown in there. In that super chat. But... There's kind of already a Jacques McKeown Easter egg in Starstruck Vagabond because that's the default name of the player character if you don't enter anything. Ah, very fun. There you go. Lord Law gives five euros. Should I mention that Jacques McKeown is the protagonist of my novel, Will Save the Galaxy for Foods? People might not know that. People might that was not the reference. know that. That was the in-joke. You mean... You're... Read my... Read my books. You mean read my books? Your your novel that's currently available on uh, Audible and now in paperback format. Yes. Wow. My two novels will save the galaxy for food and will destroy the galaxy for cash. And Jack McKeown is the name of the protagonist of those novels. Well, it isn't, but that's the name he goes by. What? Oh, I'm hooked. It's, it's complicated. <laughs> you have to read them to f- understand. Anyway, sorry, Lord Law, got sidetracked there. So, uh, Lord Law gave us five euros to say, when I played Shadow of War, I could feel myself losing attention as it got bigger and bigger in scope. I saw I was doomed to turn orcs forever. Mm. Yeah, I think I had the same feeling. Like I got to like a point in the plot where it just feels like it's just endless battling from now on. Sure. Sort of, it, was, it was sort of the story end, but not really. There's a point in that game, I'm not sure if I'd spoil it, there's a point in that game where there's a bit of a turn, and from that point on, it's just, you know, random battles. Sure. Well, and it, yeah, if the story isn't progressing anymore, then again, you've, you've lost your players if they're into it for the story. Yeah, hmm. I, I am generally into games for story. Hmm. Some, people, some people aren't, but some people are. As, as we've discussed, I, I enjoy context. I enjoy, you know... The the lightest of story, the peppering of story. Right. Context without too much exposition. Yes. Yes. Mm. I always think you should try to minimize exposition as much as you can. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can just bring across just through implication. Absolutely. Someone tell Hideo Kojima that. <laughs> Setting. Setting can tell you so much. Just scenery can tell you so mm. much. <laughs> But in space, though, gave us five US dollars to... Oh, sorry, I missed one. Louise Tarrant. Oh, I missed two. Corey Long gave us five US dollars to say, any advice on balancing the primary gameplay loop and the amount of quest dialogue? Um, Give an option to speed up text. That's that's most important for me. Uh, Let the player, like... uh, Skip quickly to the next bit of text. If you've got text scrolling onto screen, let them press a button to make it all scroll on at once. That's the best way to, like, marry your primary loop with quest dialogue, I'd say. Try try to think about the most efficient way to get across information. Like, yes, you want your all your characters to have a personality, 
yeah, like write, write a write a paragraph of what you want to get across, mm-hmm. and then write it again, but with like half as many words. Ooh, yeah, that's a fun little exercise. Writing exercise, I like that. And then see how many times you can do that. Right, and you t- can it'll bring the salient points across in as few words as possible until you have boiled it down to just the necessity with the the peppering of personality, and hopefully you will find yourself with a short enough text uh, bubble that your players won't have to worry about clicking the next button too fast. Well, there you go. Uh, Louise Tarrant gives 1799 British pounds to say no question, just to thank you for the great streams, long time Yahtzee fan and new Jack fan. Oh, welcome. Thank you very much, Louise Tarrant. But in space though, gives five US dollars to say, just want to say, I love this podcast along with all the other escapist podcasts. Keep up the good work, fellas. Ooh, our muffins are getting buttered a lot today. Mm, mm. My cornbread feels salty. Mm. That really points to our difference in origins, doesn't it? You went, for, you went for cornbread, and I went for muffins. Cornbread's kind of a muffin; it's a savoury muffin. You know, it's only an American thing, cornbread, right? Is it? I never ate cornbread until I came to this country. <gasps> you people are mad for corn. You with your corn syrup and your corn dogs and your corn everything. We have a lot of corn here. We got to put it in stuff and. There's no better thing uh, than, you know, buttered up cornbread. It's delicious. Yeah. It's a savory muffin I've, covered in butter. Well, I've had it plenty of times now that I live in this country. Yeah. But just to let you know, nobody else in the world eats cornbread and we all think you're weird for the, this whole corn thing. Hey, rest of the world, get on it. It's delicious. <laughs> so we have this thing called other food. Mm. That I'm sure is also delicious. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not here to poo-poo on your muffins. I'm just here to say cornbread's delicious. Ian Jeffries gives five British pounds to say first time listening live. Really enjoy the show. Keep up the good work. Another buttered muffin for me, Ooh. without a question. Let's see if we. Let's see how long this record let's, can go. See. Oh, I guess it's. Guess it ends now because Scavenger has come along. Oh, I was ready for more gravy on my biscuits. With his usual $10 to say, replaying the Mario and Luigi RPGs, I'm seeing the PGL, primary gameplay loop, is replaced by complex loops. Jumping on enemies becomes bro attacks with complex combos. Should a game drop the original loop partway through? I always thought the Mario and Luigi games sort of go a bit overboard with the uh, special attacks. Because it used to be they were building off the Super Mario RPG thing where you just stay involved even when it's not your turn mm-hmm. during the the turn-based combat by like pressing a button just as the enemy hits or just as you're jumping on them to do extra damage or yeah. take less damage. Mm-hmm. But then in the latter Mario and Luigi RPGs, they just went mad with it. Suddenly you got to go through these prolonged sequences of button prompts. And see, I guess t- to me, I see that as a natural evolution of of almost that's the RPG element to it is is you're doing more. It's your primary loop is growing into that secondary as you evolve with your combat. But it lost, but it lost its elegance and it became hmm. bloaty. It was more elegant when you just had to press one thing during an attack. Sure, I I, I think that's a very fair criticism. I don't yeah. mind them. Uh, I started going so, on way too bloody long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a Celtic pirate gives five US dollars to say, have either of you played Lucas Pope's game Republia Times? I haven't, actually. That was the one he did before Papers, Please put him on the map. Mm. 
I think that was just a game about editing stories for a fascist dictatorship <laughs> in a, in the news. Oh, okay. No, I, I you could see like I think there were you could see some like the seeds of what would become Vapors Please in that. Oh, okay. It seems it's it's sort of like his his uh, trademark. Mm-hmm. He comes up with a gameplay loop centered around bureaucracy somehow mm-hmm. and tells a story in the background of it. And he does it very well. Mm. He's the number one bureaucracy-based game maker in the business. <laughs> There's no one better. Insurance paperwork, we got you covered. You Passport go. processing, 100%. <laughs> Jeffrey of Monmouth gives five US dollars to say Frostpunk shows that well. The loop itself is pretty standard city building, but when the narrative crushes me under its boot, I just feel happy. I've heard good things. I've, yeah, I haven't played much Frostpunk. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a, a fan of city builders as a concept. Hmm. But I do find, because I did play that Jurassic World city builder thing. Mm-hmm. I think where that game suffers is that, well, the bit of Jurassic Park that's interesting is not the bit when the park's running really well. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. So what you're saying is the premise of the game is kind of naturally opposed to the thing that you enjoy. <laughs> yeah, you build a big park, it brings in a whole bunch of money, and you just sort of go, great, great, <laughs> and look at all this imaginary money I don't have. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the best criticism you could give of that game, is this isn't why I like Jurassic Park. <laughs> Unjointed Goose 8. Gives eight ninety nine New Zealand dollars. Ooh. Been a while since we've had any of them. New Zealand. To say, Kiora finally managed to make one of these live. Okay, I guess that, maybe that's a New Zealand thing. Off topic, as I just woke up, favorite game of the year so far. Hmm. Right. That that requires remembering what I've played. And just a moment. I'm just going to the zero punctuation wiki to remind myself. Ooh, there you go. Um, yogurt commercial three, game of the year so far. Okay, I had then. a lot of fun playing that game. And it wasn't fucking werewolf the apocalypse earth blood. <laughs> what is the best game I played this year? Um, in terms of ratio of quality to expectations it takes two sort of mm. took me by surprise mm-hmm. uh, maybe Psychonauts 2 ooh really yeah interesting of all the, of all the games very interesting well moving on yep fill my ass up nice oh, I see what you did there Gives 50 Norwegian kroner to say, I think that avoiding any exposure to a game can keep your interest more than games you anticipate. I agree, fill my ass up. That's why I avoid hype hmm. wherever I can. Hmm. And, I, and also I've found that all the games that have really grabbed me and caught my interest in my career as a reviewer have been games I didn't know anything about beforehand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And were trying on a whim. Every time like I play a sequel... It feels like there's sort of a baseline of knowing what to expect that sort of dulls your enthusiasm. Yes. Yeah, any sort of hype uh, can detract from even even an okay game. 
because it doesn't live up to the expectation. I, I generally tend to stay away from any sort of games coverage, so I, I usually don't have that problem. I just never know what's going on. We should bring you to E3 next time we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll just I'll just say, what are you working on? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> people in the chat clarifying that Kiora is a New Zealand greeting. I was thrown because the only Kiora I knew was the name of a juice box you used to get mm. back in England. I didn't know it was a New Zealand greeting. I just thought it was a juice box. Can't it be both? I suppose it is ah. both. Perfect. Abdul Abdul Rahman Alawadi gives 25 of something mm-hmm. to say risk of rain 2 is the simplest and most effective use of Yahtzee's three C's rule. It's challenging, the context is simple and effective, and the third C. <laughs> Which is catharsis. So I'm assuming you're saying it's a cathartic game to play on a moment-to-moment level. It is cathartic. I I don't know if Risk of Rain 2 has the same context that Risk of Rain 1 had, as far as, like, good context. Uh, mm. Mostly because I can't remember the context of Risk of Rain 2. But is it is it the exact same context of Risk of Rain 1? I never played Risk of Rain 1. Oh, okay. I think it's just you are a robot man on a planet. You're a space trucker, and you've accidentally dumped all of your cargo, which was full of monsters and gear. And then as you go through the level, you pick up all the gear and fight all the monsters. I didn't think that was the context of Risk of Rain 2. I don't remember that. It's been a long time since I've played Risk of Rain 2, so I forget the context. But yeah, I struggled. I struggled to remember. So that's a, a lot of uh, Risk of Rain Two. That's why I put into suspect you saying that Risk of Rain Two had good context. <laughs> right. So, Krogotron gives fifty Norwegian kroner to say Jack! Exclamation mark. Star Trek Voyager Elite Force has been released on GOG. What exclamation mark? Oh, is that the Star Trek first-person shooter? <laughs> it is one of the Star Trek first-person shooters, oh, yes. It was, no. it was pretty good for the time it came out. Oh. It was sort of Quake Engine era stuff. Well, if I have to play a Star Trek game, it better be Voyager. There better be a Neelix in there. Do I get to shoot Neelix? Oh, Neelix was in it, oh. but uh, you didn't get to shoot him. Dang it. You had to shoot a lot of Borg, though. Is Tuvix in it? No. Because if Tuvix is in it, do I get to rescue Tuvix in the Star Trek Voyager game? That's the only Voyager game I'm interested in. It. No. Oh, all right. You you play an original character. No. Oh. Do not steal. Who's a member of the Voyager crew who is a first-person shooter protagonist. Oh, okay. Great. And who gets to go on missions. Okay. You know what? And shoot aliens. We'll give it a shot. It might be fun. It was okay. Okay. It probably hasn't aged well. Uh, it was good for the time it came out. Meister Kleister Heist Air gives five euros, but no question. <gasps> Mysterious. <laughs> Scavenger gives ten US dollars. The final, This is the last one now. Okay. To say, talking about stakes, which is better? One big threat you spend the game building up to fight, like Link versus Ganon? Or where a bigger threat replaces the smaller one, as in most RPGs, stages with bosses, etc. I do think one of the big strengths of Breath of the Wild was that it had that very obvious overhanging uh, ending. Mm. We said, 
here's the castle where it's all going to end. The monster's there. Go there when you're ready. And having that hanging over the whole thing was was a good way to keep us focused, I think. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I, and uh, I guess to me, it's kind of the same thing, where as long as you have a big baddie, it doesn't matter if it's the big baddie, but as long as you know approximately what the big baddie is, then that's fine. Right? Where well, I guess the other option is that the, there's a twist. You think you've killed the big baddie, but there's an even bigger one you never knew about. Ooh, I suppose that would suck. <laughs> now that you put it that bit, way. Bit cheap? That's a bit cheap. Uh, I, I guess if you do that more than once, then it's cheap. You get you get one shot at that. Yeah, suddenly I'm remembering um, Twilight Princess. The Zelda game where they there's this big baddie and they hype him up for the whole game, and then at the end it's like oh it turns out he was taking orders from Ganon and oh, uh, actually yeah, yeah. Up. actually secretly he was a big he was actually a big pons and Ganon was running the show. Here's Ganon and now you fight him. Yeah, he's the important one. <laughs> yes, and you know what that can be very very cheap. So I, I remember feeling, I take it back. yeah I remember being I remember being disappointed by that. Mm. I was like, oh, this old chestnut. <laughs> yeah, so so ne- no, never mind. I take back my, they're the same. Have a big baddie. Have a big baddie. And it's okay for that big baddie to have minions, <laughs> but have a big baddie. Because, you know, establish, but it's best, we feel better about fighting a big baddie if they've been properly established mm. over the course of the plot. Sure. If you just throw an even bigger one out in the last minute, we don't know that guy. We don't feel invested in stopping him because we haven't seen him pissing all over the low-level dudes at the start of the game like we saw the secondary boss. Right. And So unless there is a way that you can establish the real big baddie beforehand and then have that twist be meaningful in some sort of way. Moz TS1 mentions the Arkham Origins Joker stroke Black Mask switcheroo. That doesn't count, because in that case, the character we thought was Black Mask turned out to be Joker. Ooh. It had secretly been Joker the whole time. Oh, oh, okay. It it, it wasn't just like Black Mask dropping out of the plot all of a sudden so that Joker could take over. Uh It had been Joker all along. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that that could work. Like uh, to me, as long as they're established um, currently, and I can say this openly because I know none of my players uh, watch my streams in my in my D and D campaign. I have a character who has been helping the players along. It's he's like a traveling salesman, and he mm-hmm. he he's the one where if they ever uh, if they ever get stuck someplace, he usually like shows up. He'll sell them some items. He'll like direct them where I want to go. Kind of a DM insert character. And uh, in actuality, he is the end bad guy, and he's using uh-huh. them. He's using them to like wipe out the competition. That's why he's helping uh-huh. them. And so again, that old chestnut. It's it's an old chestnut, but the the point is, he's like he is someone they know. He's properly established, so when that twist comes, it will be meaningful. Well, I'm assuming you're not talking about the D and D campaign you're doing with me no. and the other escapist people. <laughs> None of you guys watch might these want some, <laughs> some people might want some clarification. No, there. no, this is my my home campaign that I run. My uh, okay. this is this is my uh, hobby, my part of the hobby that I don't monetize. 
So, <laughs> but it's nice to have some of that, isn't it? Ooh, it really is. But but yeah, I, I guess that's that's the idea. Is if if all of a sudden it turns out that the person you thought was the bad guy isn't the bad guy, there's a real bad guy, but you've never heard of him, then it feels empty and dumb. Yeah, Phil Myasup mentions Far Cry Three, which has that, which has this very problem. Ah, well then there you go. All right, that's all super chats. And I want to get some bloody lunch. So Yay. let's wrap this up. All right. Hey, thanks, everybody, oh. for watching and or listening to this um, uh, primary loops, secondary loops, tertiary loops. We do talk about these things a lot. You know why? They're really important to video games. Yeah, it's like the central design. Right issue in the video game it's it's the whole thing it's the thing that sets video games apart from other entertainment mediums Mm. (laughs) i was yahtzee crochet and i was jack packard and you presumably still am uh i that's gonna i I, will find out next week (laughs) or we'll find out next time i'm on i was jack packard am i still now we don't know I'll be back tomorrow for Zero Punctuation, as always, and the post-CP stream. Not sure who's going to be on that, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Absolutely. And uh, we are we are starting to schedule uh, Adventure is Nigh. Uh, we, surprise, uh, this is even a surprise to Yahtzee, we, uh, we have recorded already five episodes, because one of our recordings went so long, it turned into two episodes. <laughs> I'd, I'd remember that yes uh, there was one that did go on a while and i wondered if we were going to split it into two episodes and indeed you did and we had enough content to do that uh and so we are starting to schedule them uh you will hear official announcements soon but the our first uh, uh our first official campaign the jade homunculus will be coming out shortly so much fun so far stick uh, follow uh, escapist magazine the escapist.com Com. Go there, escapismagazine.com. I don't know the website name, but go there. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice, and you'll learn about this stuff. And it's a great reminder that things like uh, these super chats, YouTube memberships, escapist premium memberships, those things help us make fun content that hopefully you enjoy. So you should uh, yes. give us your money. So thank you for all the super chats today. Mm-hmm. It is always very much appreciated. And we'll see y'all next time. Here's Toffee in the very final seconds being adorable. Thanks, Toffee. He can sense when I'm about to get up. He wants to go out and bark at the squirrel. Okay, well, go get those squirrels. And now we're going to cut to credits. Credits.